Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you disappointed you're not up for Homecoming King? <laughs> There's Eddie's question of the week. Um, no, no, I'm not. I'll, I'll worry about winning the game. Somebody else can have that one. Will you be going to the dance on Friday? <laughs> I will be in the hotel, Eddie. Thanks, everybody. Official 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, it's another unofficial 40. We're back! On Soonerscoop.com podcast, welcoming in uh, the whole crew once again. As we've got uh, Josh McQuistian uh, back in his studio, Eddie Radosovich uh, right here with me in studio, and uh, coming off a Kansas State win uh, that looked uh, a little harrowing at times uh, Saturday in Manhattan, and it was uh, it was interesting. Eddie and I left in the morning and came back at night. I actually made Josh. I made Eddie drive a little bit, which is a rarity. It's happened twice now on road trips in we all were, the years. We were all good, so we were good. I woke up, you know. Whenever Eddie drives, he drives really fast, for my taste. Well, we're just trying to get home, you know? And, like... We got home you, before four. When you're not driving... Like, I, I rarely ride in cars as a passenger. It's just not a good feeling. It's weird to... It, it's very weird to ride passenger in your own car, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because the seats are... Like, your seat is all perfectly formed to your ass. And then when you sit in the passenger seat, it's all like, because like me, I'm a hermit. Like it's it's like just like it just came out of the factory. Still, I mean, Eddie has said it a lot over the years, but your butt imprint is not the same as mine. Right. Eddie literally is the only other person that's really ridden in my car a lot. I think I've been in your car once, maybe twice. Josh has a new car every six months. So, oh, see that. That's not that la- the the car I had before the truck that has now become somewhat pod famous. The F nine fifty. Yeah, I had a forerunner that I put like a hundred and twenty thousand miles on. And while I do drive a lot, I don't drive that much. So I, it, you, I had it, when you were like in college, did your family have like a car dealership or something? What was that? When you were in college, did your family have like a car dealership or something? Because it seemed like you were driving a new car all the time. No, um, when I was in college, let's see, I had, I had a, uh, again, I had another forerunner when I started college and then I bought a truck like my sophomore, junior year of college. And then I drove that until, oh, I, I, that was probably three or four years. It was another one that I put a bunch of miles on. Um, I, 
my problem is I have two modes. I either have an SUV or I have a big truck. I have no no desire for anything else. I kind of keep thinking I want to get a car, but I can never get there. Like I, I just drive big vehicles and I don't really know how to do anything else. My first car was a was a four by four truck, like when I was sixteen. So I guess that's just what I revert to. Eddie's first car at Sooner Scoop was a truck that had the side caved in. What happened to your truck to have the side caved in like that? I hit something drunk driving. <laughs> God! Jeez. Just right out of the shit. I'm going to tell you, Eddie has been awful this week. Like, he's got a lot of things stored up in his system. He said some things yesterday in front of people, other people where I was just like, don't, don't. just Like no. what? The Magic Johnson thing. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I don't believe that he has HIV. No, that's not what you said. And we're oh. not going to talk about what you said. <laughs> oh, I just, well, yeah, I mean, I, I stand by that statement, too. <laughs> yeah, okay. You don't want to sit by him at the Dodger Stadium. <laughs> okay, that's all, that's all you need to know. That's all. Eddie also is... Uh, Turn it up a little bit. Uh, Eddie needs some headphone volume. Is that is that's, that good? Yeah, better. We're good. Uh, Eddie also, his courtship continues... Lauren Chamberlain well, responded pretty, to a tweet. I think it's pretty one-sided. It's all she's all coming after you, and you're not going after her. No, I I, I think that this is uh, that you have all the interest. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, well, yeah. I, she's just that, not that into you. That and um, I think it's just being built up into something that it's not. I think maybe Eddie is worried that we're. That he can't work behind the scenes to make this thing happen because we're making we're it too style. public. Yeah, yeah. Eddie is not a public. You you brought this up, Josh, the other day. Like you have seen Eddie lust after a woman before. Mm-hmm. I have now seen it in person, and it it happens very uh, quietly. It, Eddie is so. The Eddie that everybody knows that listens to the pod, it's so anti what you would think because he's so, like, Eddie's real low-key about it. He's like, like a if lioness he, if he on the have hunt. Said, if he wouldn't have told me, the girl that I'm talking about, that he that he was into her, I wouldn't have known it. Like, I, he, it was well, no I mean, I think everybody otherwise. was into her. She was really hot. Yeah. One of those no-brainers. Yeah. You just had to I've never heard her. the story until the event we were at was over. So I never got to see this girl myself. I mean, I, th- I probably saw her and noticed her and thought, wow. She was pretty well, smoking. Carrie, you weren't at that event. Was I not? She was a no, bad that bitch. was that was in uh, Atlanta a couple years ago, okay. the five-star. Okay. It was uh, me, Eddie, and um, one of our former workers. <laughs> you can say Joe. Oh, it was Joe. I'm sorry. It was Joe. <laughs> Joe Joe's all good. I had another... Another guy in my head. Uh, yeah. No, no. That, and it wasn't RJ either. RJ's completely with the Can we talk about RJ's YouTube videos? No, I'm good with... Oh, there's... And I feel like even RJ feels that. Like, I have some problem with RJ. RJ is fine in my book. It was, it was definitely neither of those guys. It definitely wasn't uh, Matt Hensley, who once worked for us. Matt's a good guy. Um, well, See, like, yeah. you've had some undercover people working for us that are actually just your henchmen. Like well, yeah, that, Eddie and I never met. Yes, there, there is certainly some of that. And, oh, Matt H- but, I mean, Henzo was a good dude. Though. Squad. Henzo was a good dude, man. He did Henzo's a really a good job guy. with basketball. Yep, Henzo's a great, great guy. Uh, always was good to work with. Um, I almost forgot he existed until you brought his name up. To be honest with you, 
Yep, yeah. I mean, you know, going all the now way people back, are guys, get, like people are gonna make up a lost scoop employee <laughs> list, like it's gonna become like a internet web page that looks like it's from nineteen ninety eight. It's gonna be done only in HTML. <laughs> with a lot of those really weird tables, like with shading on them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like it'll just be pictures like MIA since you know 2006. <laughs> you know, like it'll just be little little pictures at the top, little mug shots. I mean, I honestly can't think of anybody else. I mean, there's Matt Hensley, mm-hmm. Joe, RJ. Mm-hmm. Who else have we had around? Sap Tim Sap way back in the day. Did Who that? Tim I, that's Sapp? always. Did that predate you? Did you come in about the time he left? Well, I remember. Did Kurt Smith do stuff for? Crabby back in the day. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Cra- right. Yeah, Kurt's I, the re- you know the story with me and Kurt. Oh yeah, yeah. See, that, I never knew that he was doing. Practice. I never knew he was doing stuff for the for the OU site though. Yep that that's what it was about. Crabby was, was willing to site. hire anybody. Yep. 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 That would write stories. It, that's you know you know Krabby, nothing man, against Kurt. Kidding. I have nothing against Kurt. It's just no. Kurt got everything shut down. <laughs> Yes, yes, and I, for some reason, I wore the vast majority of that blame. For some reason, so. But Kurt, Kurt was part of the original OU internet community. Yeah. The Tulsa newsletter, or was that Daniel Harold's thing? That was Daniel Harold. Uh, Tulsa Sooner was the was the site. I think I actually I talked think, to Daniel not long ago. I think, I think I, I think he contacted me through LinkedIn or Facebook, and like always, I'm horrible. I never get back to people. Uh. Anyway, I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I think the the thing we want to get to first is I I don't know about you Eddie, but and I don't even know if we've talked about this, but I thought things got a little weird Monday with Lincoln Riley. And and it even it even kind of started after the game on Saturday. Yeah. Which feels like it was on another planet for some reason. The first time we were ever in the interview room that they had there, yeah. So it was different. It was, uh, it was, it was different because that think, stadium has changed so much. Yeah. Anytime that you have a uh, any type of delay and stuff, I feel like it. It went from being a mid afternoon game to a late night. Yeah. Somebody even said it in the press box. It feels like this was a seven o'clock game. Yeah, and it was overcast. There was no sun the entire game. But it was, it was definitely, uh, it was a strange one. But like in the post game. It was really interesting because, I mean, everybody focused on two things, Rodney Anderson and Baker Mayfield, who had a tremendous game. And I think the people that were at the game, actually covering the game, I know Garen Emig at the Tulsa World wrote a Baker is awesome story. I wrote a Baker is awesome story. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what the Oklahoman and the transcript did. But I think everybody that was at the game that watched the game was like, man, that was one of the best games Baker Mayfield's ever played. Yeah. And it was kind of masked by the whole Wildcat thing and Kyler Murray coming in and people freaking out about that. And it's and then like, almost getting beat. And then down 21-7. Right. But at the same time, you, 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 you play an entire game. And this is the thing that I kind of hate about modern-day football coverage is I, during the game, you're so overwhelmed by people bitching. And I'm running the Scoop account, and it's just no matter what happened, it was just bitching. And I saw people raging. I saw like Nathan Followell was like raging online, and then afterward he came back and like apologized and he did the whole, "I'm just passionate about my Sooners. I love my Sooners." 
So Nathan, I'm not really, you know, targeting you. I'm just saying you are one of many that did that. So you have like this warped sense of the game at halftime, like that it's just the world is is gonna collapse. But what you don't realize is that Baker Mayfield played his ass off in that first half, and he was really the only one, other than Jordan Thomas and Stephen Parker, both had turnovers. Again, we come back to they have a Mike Stoops problem where people can't get over the fact that they can't just watch a game without bitching about Mike Stoops. It's a real problem. But it wasn't just Mike Stoops. It was the play calling, too. Right. I mean, the the Wildcat, like, the Wildcat has worked forever. It didn't work on Saturday. Lincoln Riley did it, 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 did it two times or three times. It failed twice. Three. They did it three times. They did it they three did the times. Third, fourth, and then one time at the goal line. They were basically one for and three. And it failed, yeah. Uh, and everybody was like, I even saw people that were like, bring in another coach and just let Lincoln Riley focus on the offense and, bring, and get another head coach in here. It's like, dude, sometimes you call plays, they don't work, and, and that's not the worst thing that's ever happened. But everybody was so focused on that, nobody was paying attention to the Baker Mayfield was running around, not sliding, almost getting himself killed in order to move the football. And then in the second half, he was even better at all that stuff. What would you say? I, I, I think we all pretty much accept Ohio State was his best game he's ever played. He was unbelievable that night that against the Tennessee, great, great opponent. That and Tennessee, I think, were his two best games. Two most impressive Second games. Second half. I would say, but Tennessee was awful in the first. But what I'm they saying is anything. extending drives, you know, being I, elusive. I lean, if I was going to go that making, year, I would say Baylor and Waco that year. Right. Yeah, it was really good. But I'm just saying in terms of just impressive, like, you know, escape artist kind of stuff, like – Tennessee and Ohio State were very similar from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, Tennessee, they didn't do anything until the fourth quarter. Yeah. He, those, that was the type of game, if, if they're going to run the table, he's going to need to replicate that five more times, I think. And, and certainly, you would if, if they were able to do that, and if Baker was able to play the way that he did on Saturday, I think that you certainly would be, I, you know, he's already going to be going to New York City unless something drastically bad happens, I would think that he would be right in contention to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, here's Baker after the game just talking about I mean, giving up his body and stuff like that. I want to Lincoln play Riley said that that was the best he had ran the ball ever. Yeah, here's Baker. Baker, what was your mindset today? Because, I mean, you ran as hard and took as many hits as we've seen you take in a while. Whatever it takes, uh, you know, at halftime, um, told the guys, you just leave no doubt. Uh, everything you got, we need it. We need everybody. Uh, you know, we said that last week at the Texas game, which was true. We, we needed the energy on the sidelines. We needed uh, everybody to do their job and, and play hard. And so, you know, we we felt like, you know, talking about the short yards matchups in the first half, they were they were being the more physical team and they wanted it more. So in the second half, we turned it around and we did just that. So I mean, that guy really put himself on the line for OU on Saturday and. I thought it was interesting because, like, we drove home, and I'm gonna give, I'm gonna tee something up for Eddie here. What do I do? I turn on the one show that you can rely on at the end of a long day to tell you what happened in the college football world, college football final. And of course, you got to sit through Joey Galloway, who is terrible. I'm not even gonna make an argument for him having any validity of being on television. They got rid of the wrong person. They should have kept Danny Cannell. 
anything that I say about Joey Galloway will be bleeps, so. I don't know. You might have my sympathies. No. <laughs> we won't go there. It it would get it would get personal. But I'm I, I'm watching the highlights of OU and Kansas State, and it's just like and that show, look, they're not devoting any resources to that show anymore. It's become a watered down highlight package show. And they still do the helmet stickers thing at the end. But it's not produced, you know, particularly well. They don't really dig deep into the games. Yeah. They're just showing very generic highlights. But they show the OUK State highlights. You know what they did well? They scored more points than the other team. <laughs> They're showing the, the OU Kansas State highlights and like they don't really mention Baker at all. They show, you know, the Rodney Anderson touchdown. They show OU getting behind. But it was almost like you wouldn't have known that Baker had a decent game by watching their highlight. And I think that's what upset Lincoln Riley. Is that he probably was the same way. He probably got home. They flew out. Probably got home. Turned on the highlights. Saw the OU coverage and they're just like, wow, they really didn't say anything about our game. And we're falling to 10th in the AP because Notre Dame, because they just kissed Notre Dame's ass that whole show. Riley should have gone on Twitter. Just added Joey Galloway. Just just go right at him? Not even subtweet? Yeah, just, hey, Joey Galloway. And well, and then what, what I thought was interesting is, so Monday, he has this press conference. And he gets your, your generic, hey, Baker is so great, softball first question, talk about him. And it wasn't like, is Baker... The question wasn't like, should Baker be, uh, you know, considered more for the Heisman than what he's getting or anything like that? It was it was literally, hey, Baker looked really good. Tell us about how much he's matured over the years. And Lincoln went into a full blown disrespect, and like this was premeditated. Here's here's Lincoln. Yeah, no, he's probably doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. I mean, it's people just kind of come to expect it each and every week, but it's it's such a hard position to play. And yeah, he didn't didn't practice all week, and uh, and to be able to go out and play the way he did against another really really good Kansas State defense that gives everybody problems. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you can say about it. I mean, it's 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 pretty remarkable, honestly. It really is. So you know, it you know. People should take notice of that and not take it for granted. It's hard to play it at the level he's playing it, and uh, he's doing it with a, a new cast of skill guys, you know. And, and uh, I mean, show me somebody in the country who's playing better. So he didn't yeah. practice. He didn't practice at all. At all. Did you? Did at you? all. And here's the thing: there's a little bit of truther in me, Eddie, that doesn't believe that Baker didn't practice at all. I know for a fact he didn't. So, this is definitely... Or I know for a fact that he did practice. That he did some practice. He, he was out there. Yeah. They made it seem like he was rehabbing all week. <laughs> well, I think they did that for a reason. I think they're. I think this is a Heisman thing. I think That's this is a I've marketing I've saying that since Monday. Gig. I put that in... I, as soon as Lincoln Riley said that, I put that in the uh, press conference thread. Yeah. I think it's all a marketing Heisman push. Which is his right. The better way to do it would be winning out. Sure. That's the only way he's going to win the Heisman. Right. 
and possibly Saquon Barkley like breaking his leg this weekend because according to ESPN, he's the only football player that does <laughs> well left. on Saturdays. <laughs> You know he did not. He didn't have a good game against Iowa, except for one like sixty-yard run. I mean, he threw a touchdown pass too, didn't he? Oh, Josh, you were probably watching that game. I don't. Rem- I don't remember that. I didn't watch that game as close as I do watch some. Was that, I, that was a couple. Anything weeks ago. involving Iowa is really hard for me to get so boring really into. Yeah. That must have been a couple weeks ago. I think Let's that was see. against uh, not Michigan. Who was that against? It was it was up in uh, Happy Valley, I remember. I think it was the weekend of the OU-Texas game. He threw a touchdown pass. I think you're right, yeah. But, the, I mean, and that's the whole thing. It's like Lincoln is not, I mean, he's very media savvy. He knows he knows what he's doing. The whole team, I mean, the, the hashtags. Here's a really good example. Like, you know, Baker did the whole... What was his his phrase that he used? Like, we need everyone. I don't know, but he was asked another. He was asked a whole bunch of questions the same the same question different ways. So maybe he was a little uh, just sick of answering the question. But when he said this in the post game at K State, it kind of raised an eyebrow for me. Moments like that, I said it earlier. You see what you're made of, and at OU, we're just we're just built different. That is literally a commercial for a hashtag right there. I'm seriously surprised that that hasn't been used in a... Uh, they're probably waiting for Bedlam or something. Like a quote tweet or uh, like they put a, a little Twitter quote video with his... or something. It reminded me of this. I'm Ricky Bobby. People used to call me Big Red, but I told them stop it. Because there's only one Big Red, America's number one cinnamon gum. So you can put a little bleep before Baker and it's just a commercial. Moments like that, you know, I said it earlier. You, you see what you're made of, and uh, at OU, uh, we're just we're just built different. Needs like a some kind of a fancy outro. That was definitely uh, towing the company line. <laughs> that was totally setting up a social media post. Right. A lot easier to do after a win. Yeah. In a career game in which you had 69 rushing yards. But I I, nice. I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean there's definitely some stuff going on with Lincoln being pissed. I just hope it turns into a big Joey Galloway, Lincoln Riley, Baker Mayfield uh WrestleMania event. Like they just start going all in on each other. <laughs> I know, mean Baker has already said, you remember I asked him after the yeah. game, after what game was that? That was like the first game, wasn't it? Or was it No, it, it was it was after it might have been Ohio after State? the Tulane it, it, game. Yeah, it was after the Tulane game because it was the oh, it was the whole kind of Ohio State carryover thing. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can find that. Hold on, but it was I. I'd asked him about because what was it that Joey Galloway said? He had made the comment in one of the shows about well, Baker Mayfield really doesn't have to make a lot of tough throws because of how well Lincoln Riley designs their passing offense or some something like that. Be really funny if they went around to all to just different places and had a bunch of kids like it, like a, just a big montage of children in Baker Mayfield telling Joey Galloway to f- himself. Oh my God. You know, yeah, they're gonna get Carrie, children I feel like to you do were that. Towards that, you 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 have no. Not- I 
I just you, knew that we would bring up Joey Galloway and an F-bomb would end up flying at some point. And he's I, such exactly, a loser. Exactly. You baited the hook. I But we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the Joey Galloway dynamic. Because I think that they don't mention Baker on college football final because Joey Galloway's so butthurt about OU fans coming after him. It's about not just Baker OU Mayfield. Fans. It's every Big 12 fan. He picked Baylor to win the conference, and yeah. they haven't won a game yet. <laughs> like, I'm going to tweet him just to remind him right now. To his credit, he did make a, uh, a comment because I think Verk had said something like, Baylor is still mathematically <laughs> eligible. Yeah, to I win saw the, that. You know, yeah. So, like, you know, at least he's laughing at himself a little bit. But I, I You have to. to. The guy that the guy, if there's one dude on ESPN that triggers me, it's Pollock. I, I can't. Yeah, I was, you do hate Pollock a lot. I was. Watching. I just think he's kind of dumb and just spacey. And you still wish you had a neck brace on. By the way, real, <laughs> <laughs> real quick. Here's Baker and the Joey Galloway stuff. Did Joey Galloway make your wall this week? Who's that? The guy from ESPN. I don't you know, know who that is. You know him? No. That you didn't have to make any big throws or important throws. Anything else for Baker? <laughs> <laughs> Baker, thanks. Good job, Mike. <laughs> I mean, there is definitely there is definitely a feud there on all sides. I don't know if it is a feud though, because it's like when there's somebody that big of a loser, you can't even give them time. So there is no feud. Like, who is that guy? What has Joey Galloway done? Well, he's the voice of college football final, which I don't didn't think, show us, didn't give that's like Baker saying, a single ounce of credit for what he did at Kansas State. But with that said, I think college football final has turned into like, it would be like, it'd be like a. It's a really it's, shitty it's, it's show. It's like now. an OU fan podca- uh, podcast. No one really listens to it, but they put them out. <laughs> It's like that like show right one? now. No, this this is the number one podcast in the world. Well, OU podcast. Uh, well, yeah. It's fact. Okay. Fact. It's the, I don't know. We are, we're crappy. like we're like the game day. Are there any two that are doing our numbers, do you think? No. Oh, like combined? Yeah. Probably not. Humble. Yeah, I I yeah. Humble brag. Not really. Not really. I just I I don't know I don't I don't know if it's this rivalry that because like I said what rivalry the Joey, rivalry that doesn't exist between Joey yeah, and Baker yeah I just think that he's such a loser that you can't take him seriously anymore like his anything he says has no value yeah I mean he has a grudge and I think it's I I think he has a grudge that's playing out right now I can see that. I can definitely see that. But why does he have a grudge? Why is he so butthurt? Because he's a bitch. (laughs) He's a huge bitch. And that's what people that are bitches do. They just hold grudges. Yeah. Against kids. For no reason. Look, Baker got left off of two of the Heisman ballots, I guess, at ESPN this week. That's insane. Left off completely. That's insane. They picked five. That's insane. Who were they? I don't know. Do they, do they Who could you even out? make a good argument above of Baker right now? And five like, people? in your other five. Just above Baker. Saquon. And Bryce Love. Because he's putting maybe. up big numbers. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, I, but Bryce Love I, I should be held to the same standard as a quarterback if you don't win. 
and I could I could even see people making an argument for uh, the Josh Adams kid from Notre Dame. Like I could understand that. I don't agree with it. I could yeah. understand it though. I think he's averaging just under ten yards a carry. But I could understand it if somebody yeah. wanted to put him ahead. You know, and it's just, and you look at Adams, literally, look at his yardage and what he's, I mean, I don't want to get into all that, but he's running behind two first rounders on the left side of his offensive line. Like, right. there has to be some context to what he's doing. Um, I did not know that, Kerry. I'm going to have to investigate that now. I do not know what. That he was left off of two ESPN ballots. Yeah, look it up. That's fireably were- stupid. Like, I could even understand putting Mason Rudolph ahead of what if they said, well, we don't include him because of his off-the-field stuff over the summer? God, I know. you were just trying to send Eddie into a race. I know. I just realized what I said. Is <laughs> here comes the next F-bomb that I'm going to have to bleep. I, like, I, I think those people just should be put in front of a firing squad. If that was really a reason. At ESPN, though, they don't really have a Beano Cook around anymore. That I think... Rest in peace. Maybe Herb Street didn't put him on there. I... Kirk, Kirk isn't a bitch. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that to us. I don't know. Go look up Joe Tessitore. Go find him. Joe Tess is too good of a guy, too. I don't know. Well, where, where is Feinbaum on this list? Oh, I could buy that. Yeah. Feinbaum have, like, five people from the SEC. It is really strange for us to come out and openly criticize guys that are in the media because that's not really who we are. And that's not really who I am, but the thing with Joey Galloway is just so in your face. Like, it's so do obvious. We, but do we count Joey Galloway as media? He has a voice like, on, I, I, on I, I, college football's biggest wrap-up show. He has a voice. So, yes, he's media. Nobody, I mean, like, nobody's okay, watching let, the failing ESPN way. these days. Do you put what... Barry Trammell and Troy Aikman in the same sentence? I mean, they both do sports, but... One's been trained to be a media member, and the other one's an ex-football player. Yeah, but, I mean, that's like saying that everyone on the radio isn't a, a professional because nobody on the radio, everybody that's on the radio had to get good at it. Just like Troy sure. Aikman had to get good at being a color analyst. No, and I'm not saying, like, he's not good at what he does. I'm saying the, I mean, like, he's the trained. I guess I'm taking the things that you're trained to do, I'm taking they're not issue, the same. Yeah, I'm taking issue with the whole trained thing, I guess. Yeah. Now, do I, uh, do I, do I look at we need to call Jake. Barry Trammell with a lot more reverence than I do as a journalist than, than Troy Aikman? Absolutely. Yeah. Than Joey Galloway? I, I, Absolutely. Yeah. I found the ESPN list of experts that... Is Trotter on there? Yeah, we need to talk to Jake about this. You know who I'm glad's not on this list? Someone we talked about during the car ride that does absolutely nothing for ESPN. <laughs> Heather Dinich? What, Heather, what do you do around here? That's what needs to be asked to her. Man, this has really turned into a media bashing podcast. I think Ohio State will do a really good job <laughs> if they score enough points to beat Penn State on Saturday. But if Penn State scores more than Ohio State... I could see Penn State going to the college football playoff. I could see the committee putting them in the Thank final. Thank you, Heather. Based on the criteria which they select in, in our... You do nothing! <laughs> it's a good thing you have a limiter on your microphone. But the ESPN experts is... Uh, there's like one, two, three, four... It's like ten people. I'm sending Jake a text. Andrea Adelson, Joel Anderson, Edward Ashoff, uh, 
some guy I've never heard of. Okay, start over again. Andrea Adelson. Adelson? Andrea Adelson. Adelson. Joel Anderson, Edward Ashoff, Kyle something I've never heard of, David Hale, Chris Lowe, Ivan Mazel, Dan Murphy, Adam Rittenberg, uh, Mark Schlebach, Mitch Sherman, and Jake are the ESPN experts. But I can't find like the individual uh, votes. I don't think they publish them. Okay. Well, Baker got... I think somebody... I think... I think they probably put them on Sports Center or something. Oh, okay. I got you. And noted that Baker was left off of two ball- ballots. That's that's just insane to me. I have no problem if you want Saquon Barkley as your Heisman Trophy winner right now. That dude's been awesome. They're undefeated. He no problem. Here's but what you got. I don't accept any other argument. Here's what you got to realize too. We haven't even seen a college football playoff poll come out yet. Last year. Did you guys realize this last year when the college football playoff poll came out, the very first one? Do you know who the number four team was? Eddie does because he's shaking his head. I, I I think we were listening to the same thing okay. last night. Josh, do you know who number four was? Last year. Let's see. It's uh, it's mind-blowing. Like I was like, holy shit. Really? Ooh, that I'm interested in that. Uh, Michigan State? No. That's was, a good guess. It was Texas A&M. Oh God! Yeah, it would have been. They started off six and zero again, and then wow. they lost like four or five or something after that. Oh, I still love the A and M people that are like, "Well, I guess he's solidified." What in history has told you that's a, sol- a solid situation? They always collapse. Oh, you mean because they're they only have two losses now? Yes, like now. I mean, don't get me wrong; they've exceeded my expectations after that UCLA game. I thought the wheels would come off. It's, it's but the wheels. Well, they look terrible. I mean, they almost lost to Louisiana Lafayette and some other mm-hmm. horrible team. They, they were, snuck by Florida, who yeah. is hot garbage. Well, they're getting beat at halftime by Nickel State after the UCLA game. Yep. Yep. Or they, and then they were getting beat late in the fourth quarter against Louisiana Monroe, or. Uh, uh, just Louisiana. What do they call them now? The ULM. Cajuns. The, well, there's just Louis. They call themselves Louisiana. Louisiana. But okay. everybody refers to them as Louisiana Lafayette. Lafayette. That's it. The thing about A and M though is their schedule. They, it is <laughs> the SEC is so it bad sucks. right now. It's terrible. They have Mississippi State this weekend. Auburn in College Station. Old Mexico. Miss. Old Miss. LSU is how they end their season. Auburn's kind of becoming the team we thought they could be, but that's about all you see. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, and maybe Auburn. It's, that's all you got this year. And I think it's just Alabama and Georgia. Once you get past, I mean, Auburn's decent, I guess, but I mean, there are some teams that like Tennessee, awful. Arkansas, worse than awful. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State's not good. Kentucky, meh. South Carolina, another meh. Uh, guys, you know what's interesting to me is everybody acts like Georgia's just this foregone great team. Who the hell has Georgia played other than Notre Dame? Oh, they beat a bunch of teams in the SEC. I mean, exactly. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I think it's so much a deal where we're so used to the SEC being great that we can't accept that it's not very good. And I'm, you know, I've been one of those people that's yelled at OU fans for years, like when they're like, oh, the SEC's overrated. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was very, very good. This year, it's not good. Yeah. I think Alabama's awesome. I think Georgia might be very good. I I don't know. Because you just, there's nothing to base it on 
other than Notre Dame, which is a great win. It really is. But it, it's one game. You know, let's not act like they're this battle-tested SEC team that you're used to seeing at this point in the year where you'd say, oh, well, they've got three or four great wins. I think you keep getting one mediocre team beating another mediocre team that was already in the top 25. Well, then they jump into the top 25, yeah. then they lose to somebody. And so you just keep having this revolving door of top 25 teams when none of them are that good. And here's what's crazy. In the Big Ten, I don't know that it's any more deep. I mean, it's got Ohio State and Penn State. Wisconsin is going to represent their division playing nobody. They will not have Literally played a top nobody. 25 team all year. I mean, they're undefeated and How's haven't played a soul. How does that happen? Because the Big Ten sucks. Yeah, they're just They've some got really to think bad their teams. Alignment. They've got to look at their alignment because it's going to be that way. I mean, unless there's just – it's so heavy on the one side. And then I think they were so reliant on Nebraska being good to challenge Wisconsin, and Nebraska has just failed them miserably. Here's my question, Bob Bowlesby. Why aren't you out there banging the drum on this right now? You have all your teams playing each other, and you have two conferences that everybody says are the best with absolute trash for entire divisions. Well. The SEC has an entire division that is just shit. I, I think we know why. The Big Ten has an entire division that is just shit. Yeah, I know. I'm hitting another hot-button issue with Eddie, <laughs> Bob Bowlesby. But no, I mean, coaches. Bob Bowlesby, have a conference call with your coaches. Give them some talking points. The time is now to try and repair the perception of the Big 12. It's crazy that the Big 12 has five teams. They have the most teams in the uh, top 25 this week with Iowa State sneaking in at the back door at 25. And has has the Big 12 even put anything out about that? Like, just on a social media I, I front. I should go look at their Twitter page just to I, see. I would bet they haven't. Because I think that everybody that works up you there... You get shit idiots. on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is you, like your time. Your time is now. Go grab a ring and start squawking. I haven't... I'm, I'm pulling up the Big 12 Twitter page. I'm guessing there's going to be more stuff about women's volleyball than college football. Just a guess. They'll and be evenly distributed. Guys, I mean, there's no Maybe more some clear rowing. picture... You look at, you know, we talked earlier about the national shows. There's no talk of, hey, maybe the Big 12 is making a run. Like last year when you had Clemson really emerge, or, you know, Clemson we all knew was great. Florida State was coming along. There was all these teams, and they were like, well, look at the ACC. Is this a real contender to the, the SEC's throne or the Big 10? You know, there's all that talk. There's none of that in the Big 12 when they've got three teams in the top 10, or uh, I guess top 11. I think I, I can't remember exactly where Oklahoma State is, but – Three teams in the top 12, top dozen, whatever you want to say. You've got five in the top 25. You've got three legitimate national championship contenders, or at least playoff contenders. And there's no buzz about, well, maybe the Big 12 this year is, is special. Even if they want to preface it with this year, and it should be just this year, because, I mean, we've got no track record of this being real. But you look around the conference, there's a lot of good football teams. There may not be... I'm not convinced there's any great football team, but there's a lot of really good football. Texas, I mean, they nearly beat USC out at USC. And they're 2-2 two and two in this conference. They might be 1-3 if Kyle Kemp had been the starter for Iowa State when they played him. By the way, I... The Big 12 never even tweeted anything about having teams in the polls. Yeah, that's... 
Shocking. Did you see hey, that? But they got that ticket video. That out. ticket video is something else, man. Straight For out those of that 1988. It, find that. That's. I might leave and drive straight to Arlington right now. <laughs> or Irving. Irving, yeah. But I, I mean, guys, this weekend, I mean, it's it's really huge for the Big Twelve in right. terms of shaking things out. I mean, TCU is traveling to Ames, playing at two thirty. I don't think TCU could lose that game, but Iowa State's defense is really good. Iowa State is a. <laughs> I, I guess it's easy to say this now on an OU podcast, but they're a lot better than I thought they were, and even that's even after they beat OU. I thought, oh, you got beat by a pretty shitty team, which might still be the case in a way, but I think that they're not bad. They got beat by a decent team. Yeah, not a great team, not yeah. a good team, but a, just a good, a solid team. It's still not a team they should lose to, but right, like it's not right. as embarrassing as it looked three weeks ago. Right, and I guess that really doesn't say much given that they've beat who? Kansas and Texas Tech since then? So really, yeah. I mean, they haven't done a whole lot, but... It, they haven't done anything to throw up on themselves yet. They played Iowa tough. I mean, they should have won that game. Right. Should have beat Texas if their quarterback wasn't shaving points. <laughs> uh, Jacob Parks looking at you. I mean, I think the team we're going to find the most about this week, or the two teams, is, is Oklahoma State and, and West Virginia. Be an interesting game. And, you know, I, I guess in a way Oklahoma State gets a little bit lucky playing them at 11 or – is that is that lucky having to go up there and play at noon? I guess it's noon up there, not eleven. But that's a that's a sucky trip. Just the the whole trip going up there and traveling up there. It seems like has Oklahoma teams have handled it pretty well. OU obviously has. I don't think Oklahoma State's lost up there yet. I just, I mean, this, this Oklahoma State offense, like Texas, exposed some real issues for them. If you if you can Did TCU do the same thing that Texas did. As far yeah, as I mean, the, very similar, but but Oklahoma State turned the ball over more. Well, I guess about the same. Uh, well, they only had the one fumble, I guess. Yeah, and Mason Rudolph threw, I think, two picks in that game. But what they've shown is that Justice Hill by himself against a physical defense is not a very good matchup because he needs space. He, I mean, he's a he's a speed runner guy he's not a he's not ne like he's good it, he's got good vision he can run through holes but if he doesn't have space he's pretty worthless as a running back he can't get any momentum because he's so small Mike Yersick is also not very smart I think that's fair to say I think he's done a pretty good job I think he has I I, I think it might be a case where he has someone above him clamping him down from time to time because they're they're just the so passive sometimes that it doesn't make any sense well when you don't have an offensive line you're gonna look like a dumbass true no matter who you are which goes into the whole wildcat thing like people can get mad at lincoln riley all they want you play those percentages that adds up that should have worked it just didn't yeah i mean i, I hope people are over that it it was a um, it, he was playing the numbers like and I thought it was interesting and I can't remember if it was Saturday after the game or during yesterday's press or Monday's press conference when he was like you guys want to get into the numbers like you could tell he knew the numbers like he knew it should have worked here is uh, here is me badgering him after the game was over about that very thing like, you're never shy about saying you, you call a bad play or whatever 
I look at the one play, third and goal, wildcat, timeout, fourth and goal, wildcat, didn't work. Can you just talk us through kind of what was going through your head at that point? Yeah, disappointed. That's been, you know, we've been a pretty good short yardage team here over the last few years, and even I feel like most of the time this year. And so that's uh, been a great package for us. You know, there was a, you know, I'll have to go back and look at the tape. I know there was a few things that we simply did not do very well on it that we normally do well. So, um, but yeah, no, that's with the line that we have, um, the players that we have, that's something that we have always been good at. And this was a night where we weren't, but we got to, we got to make sure that, you know, we're better next time. Now, fair criticism is to say, okay, Lincoln, you you saw it once, twice, it didn't work, but you went back to it again. Maybe you should have done something else. And even Lincoln, I think, admitted that on his coach's show. I was listening to it yesterday. Like, it was a bad call on his part. And as I said the, in the question, he's not, he's not afraid to say if he's made a – he felt like he made a – he thought the flea flicker thing was a bad call by him. He thought, he thought that uh, ended up in a field goal, the Wildcat was a bad call. But at the same time, like, people are always upset. Like, how can you not motivate these guys? How can you not get them ready to play a game? To me, that goes right along with it. When you tell your players, you need to get one yard. We're going to give you the numbers. You need to get that first down. Like, that's challenging your players. That's, that's trying to get the most out of them. So don't yell at me and bitch, bitch to me about how the coaches are – aren't able to get the players up when they are trying to challenge them in the middle of the game to perform. Would have been a lot easier just to run a quarterback sneak from down there though. I mean that that was that was really bad. Well it was the first half they were getting their asses kicked. That's all there was to it. They weren't though. It was fourteen to seven the first time they got stopped at the goal line. No, I mean at the line of scrimmage they were getting their asses kicked. Oh yeah, kicked. yeah, yeah. That was that was really bad. And the defense was another we could we could spend a whole podcast on that. I feel like Josh is saying nothing. Jake Trotter is calling me. Um here, hold on. Ask him why Joey Galloway is a bitch. <laughs> Just open up with that and we'll see where he goes. What do you think, Josh? Now, you know, my my whole thing with like Carrie, you were talking about the motivation thing. Like like of all the the games that you can say, okay, I, I had some issues here. That first half, oh, you just didn't look like they wanted to be there. They didn't look like they were interested at all, especially defensively. Um, you, I, I, you know, and I did some stuff in the idiot where I kind of compared some similar plays in the first half to stuff in the second half, and you just had guys beating blocks. There was yeah. no science to it. There was no, oh, you came up with a miracle cure for things. They just started playing up to their ability rather than just like we're going to go through the motions and kind of whatever happens. I, I don't know how that can continue to happen. Like it, there's part of me that feels like there's something wrong in this team. Like do we all, every, every team, no matter who it is, Alabama included, has a week where they're just not sharp. It just doesn't go their way. It's not right. This is like a month where Oklahoma had entire halves of football games where they just – they didn't. I don't know if they didn't care, if they weren't ready. I don't know what the explanation for it was. But at, at some point, that's – like that's – we talked about it, you know, with the defense. So, like, kind of, you know, the Ohio State game was the aberration. It's becoming who they are, that they just don't give a crap. Yeah, or they think that they don't have to play as hard as they need. That They don't understand what playing hard means. That it could be that. I mean, 
there's just something that looks incredibly apathetic when you watch OU for huge portions of games. I, it is baffling, and I understand the fans are pissed about it, and they have a right to be. I just, uh, Josh, I mean, you know how kids have changed. I, I, I haven't really discussed this with Lincoln Riley, or it's, it's one of those things that's really hard to talk to Mike Stoops about because he's so old school. But it's like, I can't imagine what it's like trying to reach kids today versus 10 years ago. Oh, like, sure. you used to be able to yell at a kid and break him down and embarrass him and all that stuff and build him back up. I don't think you, could, you can approach kids like that anymore. I, I remember one of my literally, a little league coach hitting me over the head with his whistle over and over and over. <laughs> Not like on the head. Like, it was, I had a helmet on. Yeah. So it wasn't like physical abuse. But like, just, I mean, he embarrassed me. It was an embarrassing deal. And now, that dude would have been, like, parents would have taken him to court. I, it would have never been okay now. And it's it's just the same. Like, I think anything, the attention spans are so short. But the problem with that argument is it's not just OU that's dealing with that. Everybody's dealing with that. And so for Oklahoma to just to continually have this problem, I don't know if it's leadership within the team. I don't know if it's the coaching staff. But, like, for some reason, you can't get them pointed in the right direction for four quarters. Like, ever. And it's not... Like, oh, we, we're a little off here. We missed a few plays here. Just just doing stuff that they know better than, that they just don't uh, that they don't seem to have any interest in correcting. It it, it it's just weird. I mean, I, I, I don't know. If if that's the case, then then this is the softest team I've ever seen in my entire life. I just I, and I, I, I don't, for that. Like I don't think that they are, but Every time that I I don't think that they are, they come up with an example of me thinking, hmm, maybe maybe they are. We just keep letting it go, or or not, you know, every fans, media, everybody keeps watching it go by because Baker Mayfield keeps doing the miraculous and pulling them out of the fire. Yeah, I mean, which even, it, which speaks even more to, you know, I guess the quote unquote Heisman campaign. Yeah, no. Like I said, I mean, where is this team without Baker Mayfield right now? Even uh, if you think Kyler Murray's a good player, I they've I, lost at least two more games. I think that that what are they six and seven one. one? I think that they could be five. Gosh, four and three, easily. They lose to Ohio State, in all likelihood, lose to Texas, lose to Texas, lost last week. Yeah, I mean it. It would be very, very bad. <laughs> it would be very bad, and there would be for sale signs in Lincoln Riley's yard right now. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm not sure of what's more staggering to me how the other 21, and I don't mean all of them. There's plenty of guys playing good, like Rodney Anderson. You're not faulting him in Kansas mm-hmm. State. Guy played a great game. Um, yeah, and there's plenty of other guys that are playing well, fairly consistently, but. I can't think of a lot of even quarters of games where you're getting all 11 guys putting out a really good effort. I mean, and I'm not talking about they got to make all the plays or be superheroes. I'm just talking about making basic good football plays that they are fully capable of doing. There's just not a lot of good examples. They just keep doing dumb things, whether it's penalties or bad assignment. You know, like the defense. I, there was stuff last week, you know, when Kansas State kept running outside. Caleb Kelly, as good as he was in the second half, 
the first half, he just letting people have the edge. Like, I, I don't know. There's no way it wasn't his assignment. He just watching people run to the edge. And you're like, what are you looking at? It's all and, Emmanuel Beal was the same way, too. I mean, he didn't yeah. get involved until the second half. They, yeah, I don't mean to pick on Caleb at all. I mean, it, it, it was everybody, on the, especially on the defense. Okay, so we put the word out. Eddie demanded that we have Jake Trotter on the podcast. Hi, Jake. Eddie, what's going on? Nothing. Eddie's very upset. He's triggered. Uh, he just found out about this. Two people leaving Baker off of the Heisman list at ESPN. <laughs> I think he wants names. Home so, addresses. By the way, so Josh is on hey, with us as well. Hey, Josh, what's going on? I'm good, Jake. What, By the I, way, let me professionally be do this. how you answer this. Let me, professionally, let me professionally do this. We welcome in now ESPN.com's Jake Trotter to the unofficial to 40 attacked. podcast. To be attacked by the panel. To be attacked by Eddie. <laughs> uh, uh, so this is all I can say. There's, there's, I only have two answers for you. One, I was not one of the people that left Baker out. I believe I had him second uh, behind Barkley, and obviously that could change this weekend if, Penn State goes down in Columbus, a place that Baker Mayfield already has uh, prevailed. Uh, number two, those are done completely anonymously, so I have no idea who votes out. Of course. And you voted for five people? I voted for five people. Okay. Jake, can you can you see any way Baker Mayfield's not in the top five? I mean, I, I, I think the top three, I don't see how anybody could leave off Barkley, Mayfield, or Love off the top three. I mean, sure. that, that seems pretty – I think there's a pretty clear gap between those three guys at this point in the season and, and everybody else. I mean, Love is averaging 10-point-whatever yards per carry. Barkley's been awesome, and obviously Baker Mayfield has been incredible as well. So but Jake, I, Jake, I think those three guys are, should be on everybody's ballot. Jake, doesn't, wouldn't it lead you to believe that some a couple of people are leaving him off maybe because of the either the flag planning or the Arkansas thing then? Uh, I know you can't, you know, speak for other people you don't even yeah, know. So I, I, I don't know that. Uh, what the reason? I don't think that. I don't think off the field stuff would be the reason. I mean, I don't. Everybody who votes on that panel, I think everybody. Now, now that could be a factor when the actual Heisman votes come in in December. But I think for this panel, I just think that they probably, you know, saw Oklahoma lose to Iowa State and decided to keep them off for a couple of weeks. I think that's probably the reason. And I mean, that's a that's not a that's not an invalid reason. I mean, at the time, that was a really really bad loss. It's turning out to age pretty well for the Sooners, but that that was you know, I think both, I think everybody had Baker Mayfield in their top three going into that game, and you know he got knocked off from losing that by a couple people and and just hasn't jumped back in yet. But I I think that I mean I think that Baker Mayfield right now is is well on his way. to going to New York, which would, I'm sure you guys know know this, would make him the second player since the 1940s to be a top four Heisman vote getter in three different seasons alongside Herschel Walker. So Jake is, I mean, Jake started out as the Big 12 uh, blogger for ESPN, and now you're, you've expanded to more of a national, regional type guy, right? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think my title is college football writer now, but I'm certainly you know, have my, uh, you know, not to use a Mayfield analogy, but have my flag planted kind of in the Big 12 country. And 
Um, but I, it's you know it's a little bit different now than it was before. For and, sure. And I guess I'm just asking that because I'm sure that you're keeping your eye on the Big Twelve quite a bit. Yeah, I watch the Big Twelve more than any other conference, but it's not the only conference I watch anymore. I think that's the best way to put it. By the way, I've I haven't heard Eddie really say anything since I got him on this call. He kind of he piped down uh, pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble, Jake. <laughs> are you are, are you just mad because the Cubs are, are not playing in the World Series? What's the deal? Oh, nah, no. you're really trying to trigger me. No, I, I he brought up. He's already dropped an f bomb on this podcast when Joey Galloway was brought up earlier. So he's not a fan. Yeah, they were giving Joey a hard time about that Baylor pick on on TV the other day. I'm still waiting for him to win their first game of the year. I mean, they might make a you late comeback, but in Joey's defense, they they haven't had a chance. Uh, Matt Rule brought it up this week, and he's absolutely right. Now. A couple of these games were against Liberty and UTSA, but they have had a ball, had the ball in the fourth quarter with the chance to win in every single game this season, with the exception of, of Oklahoma State. I uh, my pit, I, I turned in my picks uh, this morning, uh, which will come out Thursday. But just to give you a preview, I have a big upset in the Big Twelve. And I it might involve it might involve Baylor. Two things, I kind of agree with you especially if uh, Tom Herman can, t- continues to play quarterbacks that are concussed. And uh, another thing, it kind of sounds like Matt Rule might be in denial, so they might need to win this weekend. What, what is, what, That's what losers say is we were close. What's your take on the, the Sam Ellinger thing, Trotter? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I assume that he suffered the, the you know, the, the concussion or, you know, the play that, that started it was right before uh, the interception in overtime where he got hit pretty hard on the sidelines. Now, against Oklahoma that happened, and you know he went to the tent and went through a, uh, a protocol that lasted five plays, and he was back in the game. You know, against, uh, against Oklahoma State, you know, they didn't do that, so I don't know if they, they didn't realize he had hit his head or, or what. I mean, I... Uh, you know that's that's two weeks in a row though that he's that he's gone through some kind of protocol. So uh, you know they put out a release earlier in the week that you know said he was injured and that you know he was that they were monitoring it. So we'll see what happens. I mean it's always hard for me to speculate because we don't know what the doctors are saying or you know what the results of these tests are. But I mean it's something they've got to be very careful with going forward uh, because this is a guy that you know has a long career potentially in front of him. Yeah, I mean, we we were mentioning the the name David Ash this morning. I mean, it's it's shades yeah. of that almost. Back I mean, fans to know. Uh, yeah. What do you think is going to happen in Morgantown this weekend? I kind of like West Virginia in that game too. I'm I, I'm picking a lot of upsets this week. Um, you know, West Virginia took two really good teams to the wire away from home in Virginia Tech and TCU. You can make the case that. If they had just one, one or two more plays to run uh, against Virginia Tech, that they would have at least tied that game. And Dana has said, or at least told me, that they were going to go for two if they had scored. So they might have had a chance to win there. And then TCU, if they don't get that, I don't know. I don't know if you saw the, that play or not. But if David Sills doesn't get called for offensive pass interference, I mean, you would have, you would think that West Virginia was going to go down the field and score because that was like a thirty-yard pass. It turned into a 15-yard penalty the other way. It was like a 47-yard uh, difference yeah. mm-hmm. to them, and, and obviously they lost by touchdown. 
I think it's a really good team. I think it's a, a tremendous offense. I think Rear and Seals are about as good as it gets in college football from a quarterback, you know, receiver duo. And Oklahoma State has kind of had its hands full, hands full in Morgantown uh, since West Virginia joined the Big 12. I mean, they had the game two years ago where, you know, they needed overtime to come back and win. And, you know, I think J.W. Wallace, if I remember right, converted a fourth and goal uh, from the two or three yard line. Uh, and then, you know, four years before, Oklahoma State was ranked 11th in the country, went up there and got beat 30 to 21. So, um, for whatever reason, they've had a hard time playing there. And I just think with the, the way the, the, the West Virginia offense is playing, that um, they're, they're going to be difficult for the Cowboys to deal with. Jake, you're the first ever official media member to be allowed on the Unofficial 40 podcast. I hope that you're honored. Is that right? We've, you know, I've done some one on ones with people. your shirt. We don't have any shirts, but we'll send you something. Get maybe one of those white a, Hanes I ones. Base, I want a two base Steve bumper sticker is my one. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that for sure. <laughs> now we have to make scoop or, bumper stickers, or maybe some of Eddie's sweat. Like he, Eddie has all that rebel swag, like something like that. It's too big for you. Yeah, we could probably we could outfit you with something. We Josh, something. it's pretty interesting. Eddie, Eddie's whole like Eddie doesn't have to worry about a wardrobe because he just he just wears Rivals gear every day. It's pretty impressive. It, it really is. And I used to get in trouble with a guy that you know too, Trotter. Krabby wanted me to wear rival stuff all the time, and I, I've never I've never adhered to that. I, I wear Sooner Scoop every once in a while for something, but uh, Eddie Eddie rolls it out, man. He he has no no qualms about it at all. Company man. He is a company man. I'm a company man. Yeah, the most of company men. Uh, where are you going this weekend? Decided yet? Uh, I'm actually in uh, Norman this weekend, kind of leading into what could be a massive betting game if Oklahoma State can survive. I think Chris Lowe is going to Morgantown for us, and I assume that Mitch Sherman is going to be in, in, in Ames. Uh, you know, he lives in Omaha, which is not that far away, uh, for, for TCU, Iowa State. So, I mean, that game is, I think, going to be a lot of fun. I'm, uh, you know, I think we all have a soft spot in our hearts for, for Iowa State. Um, because that you know that's just such a tough place to win, and they've had so 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 few moments of of success in their in the history of their school. But uh, you know them winning in, in Oklahoma and then going down and kind of throttling Texas Tech. Uh, this is the biggest. I think I've gone back and looked. I think this is the biggest home game in Iowa State school history. And you guys have been up there. When I would see it hasn't been any good, and Jack tries to still rock. Yeah, yeah. For those games, the, you know? I tell you so what, that, that Thursday the combination of Iowa State having something to play for and playing a top five team, I think it's just going to be a, a, an atmosphere that will be incredible. Those people in Iowa like to party, man. It'd be really fitting. they will be sauced up for that one. It'd be more fitting if it was on like a it's Thursday only, or Friday. It's the only Big Twelve side that has like a real tailgate scene. Oh, it's madness! I mean, it's like what you would think like yeah. going to a Bills game would be like, or something. Yeah, you know how they, they have, have like a they have like a Big Ten style tailgate set up there. It's very cool. I I, I was actually I shocked it. last year when OU played on that Thursday night that the place wasn't full because I'd never been there before when it wasn't yeah. full. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of weird. I think they were they had lost a few games in a row at that point, but uh, there won't be any empty seats uh, on. On Saturday, people don't realize this. Iowa State is the third largest stadium in the Big 12, just above Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. That's wild. It's a good old girl, Jack Trice. That it'd be really cool if you know how like the Seattle Seahawks have like the guy that raises the 12th man flag. 
they should have uh, Larry Eustachy go up and spike a <laughs> natty light at midfield. <laughs> Always with the product placement, is Eddie. There we are. Uh, yeah. Now, Jake, yeah. you got a you got a podcast. Eddie, Eddie does a lot of advertising for a company that pays him no money. They you don't just know that. A lot from him, you don't way. know that. <laughs> they pay him in swag. That's yeah. he's repla- he's slowly replacing his Sooner know, Scoop and Rivals gear. Eddie's wearing natural light uh, gear at some point that that he signed a, uh, an offer sheet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have one more question. If you got time, Trotter. Sure, what's up? As I dominate this this podcast. Now, first off, you do a podcast with ESPN, right? I do. I just taped one this morning. Uh, how do people... Tell people what that podcast is. I'll let you do some product yeah, placement. Just, uh, yeah, just call it College Football uh, Podcast. Uh, it's called Campus Conversation. You can find it on iTunes. Do you talk uh, about, like, admissions yeah, department, departments and stuff? We talked... Today we talked about uh, who are the blue bloods in college football? Who are the true blue bloods? And I... I uh, you know, on the list they had a couple of years ago, Nebraska was on there. I made the case that Nebraska is no longer ooh, a blue blood. Ooh. Um, I did make the case for Florida, Florida State, and Miami, and uh, Ivan uh, Mazel and uh, Brad Edwards, who were on the, the pod with me today, said d- didn't agree. Uh, but we all agreed that the Nebraska was not on that list anymore. God, they just... It, it's really... It's actually sad. Uh, it's just sad. Where I Nebraska all of us is. that kind of grew up you know, in in Oklahoma, or I don't know where Josh grew up. Did you grow up in Texas, Josh? No, I grew up in Oklahoma. Yeah. I, okay, I, so all of us. He just up didn't in go to Cassidy, so Jake doesn't know anything about him. Yeah, I mean, Carrie Carrie grew up in South Oklahoma. South Oklahoma. Southwest. Uh, Get it right. All all of us grew up in Oklahoma. Like, just you know, Nebraska was such a, a juggernaut. Yeah. Uh, you know. Through the '80s and through the '90s, I mean, I you know remember the the, the NCAA video game when I was a kid. I used to get Nebraska and run it with like run the option with Scott Frost or Eric Krauss or whoever uh, while everybody else was throwing the ball 80 times a game. I mean, Nebraska was always a team that you had you just like when they were on TV you would watch. And now it's like they're like they're they're an afterthought in their own division in the Big Ten West and. I don't know what the answer for them is. I mean, they still have the, the, the fan support, but they have no recruiting base, as you guys know. Um, they've lost their ties to Texas. They only signed two guys from there. Was it two guys, or was that Arkansas that signed two guys? But they haven't signed very many guys from Texas since leaving the Big 12, and they used to, you know, they used to contend for top 10 guys in the state. And they just have no identity. I mean, like, if you, when you were in Nebraska, you could say, hey, come to Nebraska. You know, you've got the Oklahoma game, one of the big iconic rivalries in college football. Now what do you do? You, hey, come play the big rivalry game against Iowa. I mean, it's just Nebraska has lost its identity. Um, that's kind of why I think, like, them running some version of the option would be interesting again, it, you know, with, if they decide to make a coaching change. But uh, well, at least go uh, to, like, you, go, with a, go with, like, an Urban Meyer disciple or something. I mean, it doesn't have to be yeah. triple option. But it could be spread-based run type stuff. Well, kind of like what Tulane. I mean, Tulane does something like that, right? They're, they're, yeah, I like their offense a lot. I mean, Josh, you tell me. You know this better than than, than any of us. If it, are there like Smell Holloways and Tommy Frazier's out there that aren't getting highly recruited that could be effective as you know option type quarterbacks at the college level? You would have guys. I mean, don't get me wrong. You you could effectively teach people how to do it. You, but, I mean, it really would be. You'd have to invent the wheel because even in high school, I mean, guys, you know how it is. Like, in Oklahoma, 
30 years ago, everybody was running the wishbone or, you know, some sort of option through Oklahoma high school football. And then Mike Leach showed up. And then all of a sudden within 10 years, every offense in the state of Oklahoma is spread. So that it fall because, you know, they go to those coaching clinics and all that sort of stuff. So you, you kind of adopt whatever is the prevalent college offense kind of feeds its way down into the high school ranks. So there aren't a lot of those guys, but there are tons of athletes that you could say, listen, you can come here and be our quarterback or you and touch the ball every play. You're going to be our trigger man. You're going to throw the ball some. Or you can go to you know Oklahoma and be a running back or a slot receiver, and you may get five, six to ten touches a game. You know, there- I'm trying to think of somebody like a recent example. I'm trying to think of like a great athlete who's a quarterback in high school who ended up playing another position. At least in the Big Twelve, nobody's coming to mind. But I mean, there there are there's not many for sure, and and but there are still some pretty prominent option offenses in high school out there, right? I bet. I, mean, I, I know Coleraine High School in Cincinnati, where Terry Coombs used to coach, and they still run the wishbone. I mean, there's got to be a few out there that do. Oh, there for sure are. The thing is, like, there are guys that play. The, I mean, you know, we, we this is not like I'm breaking some recruiting news here, but there are tons of situations where the guy is just the best athlete on his team, and they put him at quarterback. and They're just sure, running a it, spread offense, but it's exactly, more run-based. But really, all they're doing is creating space for him to run through passing lanes. Right. So, I mean, th- th- that happens all the time. A guy that I think would be an incredibly interesting option that's part of OU's class right now, a guy named Jaqueline Crawford. I went and saw him last weekend. Yeah. He he throws the ball a little bit, not nothing special in that regard, but he's six foot, 160, and he probably runs a sub four five. Like, you run him to the corner, he's going to be dangerous every stinking time. So, there, I mean, like I said, there are guys that you could – get to do that but it would be very interesting and in how you could I, I would be interested to see how guys would receive that pitch like would you rather yeah, you, would, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to run the, like the midline option or the wishbone option sure either. you could run you know like a shotgun you know modern version of, of like a spread option too and i think that would expand your pool but go ahead you were saying that, that those guys Oh, no, no, no. I, I think you're right. And I, I think you guys brought up Willie Fritz at Tulane. He runs an offense with all the motion and movement they do. I, I I think that could be a real success. And he's one of those guys that really has built his career on rebuilding programs or just building them from scratch. And so it, it, he makes a lot of sense. I, I never thought of that. But he's a guy that – because, I mean, he's an older guy, so he's not a guy that is going to be the next 30 years of Nebraska football – but he could get it moving in the right direction until you find the next guy that, that can take over and kind of build off what he started. I mean, it's risky, but like, is it any more risky than hiring Mike Leach and then maybe just having a ceiling of nine or ten wins every year for a decade? Because Nebraska doesn't want that either, or at least their fans don't. You know, I, I, I think Mike Leach is, is a great fit if you're Texas Tech or you're Washington State and you're trying to make up the difference between the athletes that you're getting and that, and that Oklahoma and Texas are getting or that USC and Oregon are getting. But if you're Nebraska, do you have, I mean, are we at the point now where you have to resort to an air raid where, you, you know, you're trying to, you know, make up the difference? Shouldn't Nebraska be, you know, at a different level than that? I don't know. I mean... They need, I mean, you know what Nebraska needs? They need Lincoln Riley, which is a guy that's air raid, but not afraid to do power stuff. Like I asked him in his press conference the other day, what does Mike Leach think about you bringing in two H-backs and running Wildcat? And you could tell he didn't want to talk about it. 
but Mike Leach is not happy that he chose to go that route with his offense. Yeah, and 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 that's what made, has made West Virginia, you know, much better offensively. Yeah. But I think what people they they have run the ball. I mean, they, they had a thousand yard rusher last year. They had the big twelve rushing champ the year before with those Smallwood, and um, you know their ground game is not quite as good this year because they're so uh, inexperienced on the offensive line. And, and they, you know they have Greer and, and Sills who you know are so dynamic in the passing game, but they still run the ball enough to keep you honest and. Um, you know, that, 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 that's a huge part of, you know, taking the air raid to another level. And, and what has really made Leak and Riley so successful is they've been as dominant, if not more dominant at times running the ball than they've been passing. Man, you've been uh, more than generous with your time. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, real anything quick like else, Eddie? Are you good? Can I go <laughs> my day now? Uh, no, just say hi to Joey for me. And uh, I guess Baker just needs to be better than 24 for 33 for 306 against Iowa State. So, <laughs> Hey, you gotta, uh, you got to keep up the, the, the off-the-wall off questions at Baker's press conferences. That's, I've heard from a couple of people uh, that, that really enjoy – uh, your uh, th- those moments. Good, good. Delivering, delivering a service. That's all I do here. Company yeah. man. You're a man of the people. By exactly. the way, shouldn't the shouldn't Bob Bowlesby be a lot more proactive with the Big Twelve right now, just tooting their own horn? Isn't I can't. The- I, uh, Carrie, we can't get into this. Are you serious? This will be like another thirty minutes. I, I'm just. I mean, it's just. It's bothering me so much today. It's like ne- the, the you want to get in. Josh, he wants to get in the state of the Big Twelve now. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I just. I just. I just want you to confirm that I have a reason to be irked by the fact that the Big Twelve is not doing anything proactively to highlight the fact that they actually have a good conference this year. When the SEC is down and the Big Ten is down, everybody's down. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think sometimes if you start tooting your own horn. It kind of looks a little bit insecure. You know, we've seen that's Eddie fine. What's the what's the alternative? Looks a little bit desperate. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he just took a major. Did 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 something happen at the intramural at the media football game between you two that we don't know no, about? I think Eddie and I are on the same team. Right? Eddie Eddie is a big part of our uh, our quest to uh, pull off the upset. By the way, I think you could throw the ball better than Scott Frost. Just for the record. I don't know about that. I don't. I, you know what? You said it. I didn't. Hopefully, I can get to get you two in the same room someday. Since he's still running scout team quarterback, might have a chance yeah, if he gets yeah. hired at Nebraska. Anyway, yeah. well, that's the thing too. Like somebody would say, "Well, if, if you don't hire Scott Frost, could you run the option?" And I mean, if they hired Scott Frost, they still could run the option. I mean, he was running it in, in for Central Florida the other day. By the way, I just give Eddie a hard time because I only, I only, I only take shots at the people I really like, as you guys all know. I can confirm that. All right, Jake. Thanks yeah. for your time. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Two solid. laughs> yeah. thanks, Jake. All right. Uh, well, it is time to uh, get into some recruiting uh, because it's a huge recruiting weekend. Uh, I was looking at the list this morning. My God, I mean, just unbelievable lists coming up. Just. Just a massive, massive weekend. And Lincoln Riley is not shy about telling people this is a massive, massive recruiting weekend. Josh. Yes. Did you mute yourself? 
No, I'm here. Okay, I was wanting you to talk about how big this weekend is coming up. Well, when you said Lincoln isn't shy about it, I was like, okay, he's going to go to that audio of Lincoln talking about Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no, no, that's my mistake. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I mean, guys, we've got a list running on our board. And really, at this point, I've only been able to dive into the official visitors because we've been busy confirming those guys. But you've got 17 official visitors this weekend. I I'll go through, and you know, we always kind of keep track of it in the scoops uh, from week to week when there's visit weekends. But I, I'm gonna have to really scour to find a bigger visit weekend as far as more people. But it's, it's easy to say, oh, there's just a ton of guys. Well, there are, you know, ten guys I believe that are rivals 250 or better in that list, and almost all of those are not current OU commitments. I mean, you, you got TJ Pledger that is, and. Uh, that's it. I mean, that, that, that kind of tells you how big this is. What's really interesting about this is how many guys there are committed elsewhere. You got Ayadeli Adeo. Oh, forget it. The linebacker. From I totally IMG butchered Academy. that this morning as well. So Yeah, Ayadeli Adoye. He's told me before, and I can never get it right. A Texas commitment from the IMG Academy in Florida. So Rival 250 guy. A I don't know. Sure. That, that's better than what I was doing, so go with it. Uh, Jeremiah Martin, the defensive end from uh, San Bernardino, Rivals 250 guy. But I, I kind of got sidetracked on the Rivals 250 thing. Leon O'Neill is coming in. A- T- Texas A&M commit, Rivals 250 guy. Micah Parsons, five-star guy. And then, you, like I said, you keep going down with the, uh, the guys committed elsewhere. Brendan Radley-Hiles, Nebraska commitment, Rivals 100 corner. Uh, Raymond Scott, linebacker, uh, USC commitment. And then Desha- Deshaun White. Uh, Texas A&M commitment as well. So, I mean, it's not just that Oklahoma is going to get quality talent. It's not just that they're getting a bunch of guys. But you could also throw some pretty serious shots at some programs that you recruit against a lot in Texas, Nebraska, A&M, and even with USC. I mean, obviously Oklahoma goes into Southern California a lot. And while I wouldn't say I love OU's chances at flipping any of those guys, I think all of them are at least possible. Uh, now the, uh, I mean, the really one that stands out obviously is Micah Parsons, five star, uh, and our, our guy, Josh Helmholt was up talking to him recently and just kind of came out of the blue a little bit, but Josh kind of update people on, uh, what's happened with him, how surprised you were, uh, kind of getting that information last week and, and, and where you think OU sits with the five star Micah Parsons. Well, you know, and and I want to make sure, and this isn't to correct you, just want to make sure the right guy gets credit. It's Adam Friedman. Oh, Adam Friedman. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh, So, anyway, I guess about probably not long after the Texas game, I started hearing a lot of buzz that Oklahoma was talking to some big-time defensive ends. And I thought, well, okay, it's Jeremiah Martin, it's Ronnie Perkins. But, you know, oh, no, it's new names, maybe guys you haven't heard of much. I thought, well, okay, and I kind of keep looking into it. Well, then we, we start hearing it's Micah Parsons. So I, I check into it. And honestly, Adam Friedman, who's a guy that covers that region a lot, knows Micah, knows his dad, you know, there, there's a relationship there. He wasn't, when I told him this is kind of what I'm hearing, he said, oh, that can't be right. You know, he, he was kind of surprised by it. And then he goes like, yeah, I, I think this is happening. So he went and he spoke to Micah uh, last Friday night after his game uh, where Micah, you know, to Eddie's interest was a homecoming king. And um, he, it, it sounds like Oklahoma just from that Ohio State game on when Micah Parsons was an Ohio State official visitor that weekend, 
or I think I know he was a visitor. I think it was official, but it might have been unofficial. Don't quote me on that part. But anyway, he comes in, he makes the visit, and I think from then on, Calvin Thibodeau just kind of started slowly working on him, just trying to kind of get him to take a look. And finally, he had an open weekend, and Oklahoma got it, you know, to into his head that hey, come come down, take a look, and they got him in for a visit. Now. The talk has been for a long time, oh, he's a lock to Penn State, that's set. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. But talking to a few people yesterday, I, I get the impression that Oklahoma thinks they have a chance at this thing. They, they, If they can come in and really sell him on the idea of you can play early for us, we've got need for difference makers on defense, you know, I mean, all the things that we know to be true, they've just got to sell to him. Now, what's interesting with Parsons is, where does he fit in their numbers? Where does he, how does he affect Bobby Brown and and Ronnie Perkins? I mean, is he a three four defensive end? Is he a four three defensive end? Is he a three four outside linebacker? There's a lot of things that Parsons can do, but I think the the primary thing is we'll take in, we'll let that stuff figure it out. And so, but you, it, it's just going to be interesting to see what OU kind of sells him on. I say process people. Just to, if if that's going to be this good, just start processing people. I I completely agree. Any <laughs> position. No position is safe. Josh, is there I, I I guess just reading through the boards and stuff, has any off field issues with Parsons? I mean, is that kind of being overblown? What I've you know, and uh, until this week, and I how much really can you say on that? Of, I mean, I, I don't want to just throw the kid yeah. under the bus or anything. No, 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 no. I I know what you mean. I mean, and I, I think from what I've gathered and from some of the things I've seen him um he even talked to Adam Friedman about it in that interview that I referenced earlier where he kind of talked about whether he was going to go back to Ohio State. And he said, you know, for those that don't know or remember, Parsons is one of the guys that made comments about JT Barrett shouldn't be the starter at Ohio State following that Oklahoma game. And Urban Meyer responded to it. He was was actually the kid that Kirk Herbstreet got into it with on Twitter. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, that that kind of, like – it's not, and it's that kind of stuff. It's not that I get the impression that Micah Parsons is a bad kid or, yeah. you know, getting into all kinds of real serious trouble, but he probably is a little immature, tends to say things that she shouldn't say, doesn't really understand how many people are watching what he does. And I, I think that's people that follow recruiting all day, they don't understand that these kids, like, they're just normal middle school, high school kids. And then one day, everyone cares what they think about something. And, and they it, it all just, learn it's that. It's overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God so, that Twitter wasn't around when I was in high school. Oh, God, yes. You remember, oh. here's, you know the, the most, and, and the, the thing that makes me uh, kind of not dismiss, but give kids like this a chance is, Josh, and Eddie, you probably remember this too, you remember how profane and just disgusting Deron Neal's Twitter account was when he was in high school? Yeah, I, I remember you were always... Hung up on that. It was just like, I just wanted to, I didn't, it wasn't my place to tell him anything, but I actually did ask him like that, you know, those kind of questions as he got, but he matured, he grew up, he got yeah. older and he wasn't, he realized, you know, it's it's like coaches always say, it's, it's like what Bob Stoops always said, like a lot of times when kids get to come to a college and be on a campus, they get to experience life that they didn't know existed. Right. And when they go to bowl games and they get to go to beaches and uh, stay in nice hotels and stuff like that, like if not for college football, 
those kids would never understand that life could be so different oh, five than they years understood. Ago, we were talking to kids that were going on planes for the first time. Yeah. You know, to go to a bowl game or right. something. So, you know, when I, when kids are like that, and this to me, I, you know, the Herb Street thing I thought was funny, not not laughingly, but it just seemed like, Kirk, why are you picking this battle? Like, this seems like a really bad, and I know it was Ohio State, his alma mater. I think that had more to do with it than what was actually said. He, he wouldn't have done it, yeah, if it had been somebody doing the same thing about USC. Right, right. You know, um, so it was personal to him, but. Like, that's just, kid. like you said, Josh, kids don't understand how many people are seeing what they're saying. Exactly. Like I said, I, I don't have any feeling that he's some troubled kid. Now, the things that I have heard is that there was some, there was some stuff at the Nebraska visit that maybe once he got there, it was pretty clear he probably wasn't going to choose Nebraska, and he was more there to hang out with buddies and, you know, see some friends and that kind of thing. And it'll be interesting to see if he's maybe learned from that and how to handle himself. But I, like I said, I don't think this is a token visit. No use eyes. I don't think this is a, Hey, we, you know, we get to say we got this elite guy on campus or we're going to use him to put pressure on other guys or anything like that. I, I think Oklahoma thinks they have a puncher's chance here. Uh, Ruben Unijay, any chance that there's a pop from him this weekend? I don't think so. He's been pretty adamant. I want to say he announced it back in April or May that he was going to announce his commitment on November 19th. Every time I've talked to him, he's remained steadfast with that date. So I still think that's what's going to end up happening. Uh, I talked to some people that, that cover him more closely and have known him longer than I have, and I don't think there's any – I mean, Oklahoma, anything other than Oklahoma right now is going to be a big surprise for him, which is – it's really funny that there's a kid from Florida, or well, that plays football in Florida, originally from Tennessee, and he is going to, or is it Georgia? I think Georgia, now that I've said Tennessee. I really had a fun story for that. And then uh, going to Oklahoma, and he's a Rivals 100 guy, and almost a month out from his decision, more than a month out from his decision, everyone feels, or has felt for a while, confident that he was going to pick Oklahoma. Like, it doesn't make any sense. But that's I think Bill Beatonbow's just done a great job with him. He sold on the idea of, you know, Oklahoma's offensive line producing NFL guys. And I think he just has a comfort level. And I think that's that's what's gonna end up winning him for Oklahoma. And like I said, I don't think it'll happen this weekend, but it wouldn't shock me at all if I heard a, you know, he gave us kind of a wink wink nudge mm-hmm. nudge thing before he left town. Going to be very interesting to see how they sell this weekend with just it being a night game with everything that goes into it. It's kind of the first, you know, I guess, quote unquote, big recruiting weekend Lincoln Riley has had. It will just be interesting to see what kind of uh, different things they throw at him. And who knows? It'll, it'll, I, I think it. I would be lying to you if I didn't say on Saturday afternoon, if I didn't look to see if maybe a Josh Proctor snuck into town late. Well, he told me earlier this week he's going to Columbus. Oh, that's so. right. That's right. That's right. I'm an idiot. That's my guess. But, you know, Eddie, you kind of touched on something that made me want to ask you. Obviously, you are literally, to my knowledge, the only guy to get Josh to speak on the record, really, since the Oklahoma visit. And I thought his interview was really interesting. I thought what was, you know, everybody kind of hung on to the, well, it's, um, you know, it's not signing day yet and kind of what that could mean. And obviously, that's a good sign for OU. But I got caught up more in his comments about Lincoln Riley and it being different and him liking kind of the way it's run Mm -hmm. now. I thought that was really, really interesting and kind of a – for fans that don't understand that you can't just 
well, hey, you know, we're Oklahoma and we've won all these titles. That's not all it's about in recruiting anymore. And I think it's a sign that Lincoln does a really good job of understanding that. I don't think there's any doubt that they, you know, it's kind of everything that you reported, Josh, was the fact that they rolled out the red carpet for him. They made him feel really comfortable. Uh, I saw him after the game in Norman uh, leaving the press conference. I was leaving the press conference. He was leaving the facility. Uh, he was with Ron Tatum. He was with, you know, Drew Hill, Annie Hansen, the whole crew was there with them and their families and stuff while they were uh, on the visit. And I thought that, you know, I, I think it's interesting. And uh, I, I think the, the the interview that we put up is pretty self-explanatory on where OU, uh, with their chances, I guess, right now. I, I certainly think that they're, they're still in it. Here's what I find. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, Josh, hit it. I, just real quick. I will say the last two times Proctor's gone to Ohio State, he committed, and he came back and said, I'm solid, I'm set, yeah. nothing's changing. So whatever he says coming out of this weekend, just just be easy on it. Josh is really smart, and he's really savvy, and I think no matter what he comes out saying, Oklahoma still, still has a chance. Okay, uh, just looking over the list this morning, I it, it kind of made me smile a little bit because there's so much kind of consternation over the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but Josh, you look at the positions that are coming in on officials this weekend: linebacker, safety, linebacker, defensive end, cornerback, uh, defensive end, safety, defensive end, defensive tackle, safety, cornerback, linebacker. I mean, that's a lot of defensive talent coming in this weekend on official it, visits. Oh, it's huge. I mean, and like I said earlier, this is—I mean—that's where the boatload of this this is. I mean, because guys, we've talked about it for weeks. With the exception of Unashe, Oklahoma's pretty much done on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe something could change, guy decommits, spot opens. I mean, those things happen. But for far as what you can foresee, they have one spot left on offense, and it's it's expected to go to Unashe. So you've got all the you got two defensive ends at least, two linebackers at least, and it looks like almost certainly a safety or a DB of some kind. So you just go through the list. And if Oklahoma can find a way to get one out of three of those defensive guys, then it's going to be a really strong defensive class. You know, you talk. We talked about Adoye. God, I, I I keep trying. I'm just never going to get it right. Martin O'Neill Parsons, uh, Ronnie Perkins, the the rivals 250 defensive end. That you know, you guys remember when we went up and saw him in St. Louis. We put him on camera, and he was kind of winking about maybe committing to Oklahoma when he was expected to take a visit in a couple weeks' time. Now, that didn't happen because right after that, Bob Stoops resigned, and then they hired Ruffin McNeil, and there was just kind of a lot of chaos as far as how a defensive line recruit would look at the situation at Oklahoma. So I, I think this is a big weekend for him. If OU's going to get back in that position where they once were, this is the weekend to do it. And he's a guy that... I don't think he would commit, but if it went really well and OU could really sell him, I, it wouldn't shock me. I, he'd be one of those guys that I would say, yeah, that, that's possible. Uh, Raymond Scott, like I mentioned earlier, the linebacker from uh, from Southern California, he's a USC commitment, but I think he's a smart kid that has picked up on the fact that USC is talking to a lot of other linebackers, has kind of made him a a guy that we have, but you know we're not pushing him that hard. I don't know. There, there's a part of me that wonders if he wouldn't flip this weekend. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I really, if you made me guess right now, I'd say no commitments come out of this week. I mean, at least immediately. But I think you could lay a lot of groundwork for this class being a big part, this weekend 
being a very big part of the class as a whole. Did we uh, it, did we discuss at one point? Did Andrew Rame does he have OSU allegiances? Mm. Or am I thinking something? I don't. That, I think you're thinking of Grayson Boomer, whose mom is a dad is an OSU fan, mom is no OU fan. Okay. I think that that may be where you're where you're at with that on kind of young Tulsa area offers. Rame, I don't. I'm pretty sure he's all OU now. I I know he has. Uh, some connections to Arkansas um, because Alvin Bailey, a former broken arrow lineman went to Arkansas and he knows the family pretty well and that kind of thing. So that that's kind of one of them. The guy we, I, we talked about him a little bit last week was another five-star that'll be on campus. Jaden Hazelwood from, uh, from the Atlanta area, a big five-star receiver, another guy committed to another school that OU is convinced to come take a look and take a visit. Um, I, I don't love OU's chances there. I think it's pretty likely he stays. But unlike Parsons, where I say I think OU maybe has a chance, when you're getting guys like this on campus, other guys take notice. You know, oh, that big-time dude that could go anywhere in the country, he's going to go see OU? Well, maybe I should go check them out. So maybe you don't get Jaden Hazelwood, but it helps you in a national prestige, uh, from a national prestige standpoint, to have other guys looking at your school and wanting to come take a visit. It's all part of the package. And it's, Eddie, it's, it's interesting, too, because uh, we, we kind of mentioned it before, but uh, like Lincoln said he was excited for this week, oh, excited been, for the recruiting aspect if, of it. You know, I, I think that anybody that obviously pays attention to Lincoln on Monday talking about it, uh, you get on social media, you've seen all the coaches tweeting about, uh, you know, just in prime time and, and everything that goes into that. So, yeah, they're, they're building this thing up, and... Uh, hell, I don't know how they'll play, so we, we'll see. <laughs> Defense better play <laughs> well. Uh, I just, I, I, I can't believe that we're, what is it? It's the seventh week of the season, and we've done this every week, and it seems like we go over the same things. It's the week. first podcast that we didn't spend 45 minutes talking about the defense. Because I, I, I have no, I, I, it, that was weird. That was awkward those noises that just came out of my body but it, i have no idea what this defense is i i really don't i i it's don't what the know. defense is done to you it Eddie. is what it is i mean i think we know i say that i don't know what to expect but i know what to expect does that make sense you expect disappointment yeah i i, I just don't think that they're very good they're they, consistently I mean, inconsistent right but they show flashes of being really good at times it's just they, they can't do it for four quarters for whatever reason well, and if you don't Terry, do it in the at. next month they're gonna get embarrassed there are teams we, we, out there that will embarrass them. Oh, there's no question. And, and we thought maybe that they had started to find something again after Texas. Oklahoma State held Texas to 10 points on their own field. Right. That's not a good Oklahoma Yeah, but State that quarterback defense. didn't know where bad, he was either. But it's not good. Oh, well, you didn't get the benefit of, ha- of playing a concussed quarterback until the end of the game. Fair enough. Yeah, they Oklahoma did Oklahoma State's work for them, maybe. But... It's still it. it I, I think it's pretty clear Texas is pretty pretty limited offensively. I kind of agree with Jake. I think Baylor gives them all they want this weekend. God, that would be amazing. That would just how, put Tom Herman like I think say, on the How hot shaky seat. do you think is getting Austin? Because he he I, can't stop building hype. Like he can't do it. Like even after Maryland, they kind of went underground for a little while. Then they got the win. They they. They lost to USC, and the way their Twitter responded, you thought they'd won the game. (laughs) 
And so then the hype starts building again. Well, then it's you play Oklahoma pretty close. It's okay. And then you go out, lose on your home field, Oklahoma State, score 10 points. And then you lose to Baylor. Oh, I I mean, he's not getting fired this year. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But that that gets pretty ugly pretty fast. That bad boy opened at 10.5. It's all the way down to 7.5 right now. Man. In Vegas. I think I'd take Baylor's side of that. In Waco? It's a good money line bet. Now, I think if they I lose last week, I'd take Oklahoma State. I think if they lose to Baylor, that OU should just let their coaches take shots at Texas on Twitter. That would be fun because you can say what you want about Baylor. They haven't quit. I watched a little bit of the playback uh, yesterday of the West Virginia game, and I mean they were they they had they had a two point conversion to tie the game. Yeah, they're battling, and they were down big. It'll, they haven't quit. It'll be interesting if Matt Rule can survive. What's hap- like just. The, how bad it's going to have to get before it can get better, you know? Because it may get worse before it gets better, which is unbelievable because they haven't won a game. But you guys know what I mean. Yeah, you just, you're stealing stuff from sur- the dark night. <laughs> it's always darkest he, before the dawn. You know, I mean, I, I look pretty good in latex, but we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> God, um, no wonder you've the, had so many children, you freaks. <laughs> no, so you get. You get that, but Matt Rule's a good football coach. Like I don't, I, regardless of everything, regardless of what he does, and I kind of like him. Be, I think he's a good but guy. He's a good coach. Yeah. Oh well, this was uh, this this was a great podcast. Uh, Jake Trotter, appreciate him joining us. I'm sure longer than he wanted to. We roped him in, got some shots in at Eddie. I missed the so last one. I wasn't first even ever listening. Media guest. Was he our first ever guest, period? I don't remember ever bringing anybody else in. Yeah. I mean, other than having, like, Joe on. Well, yeah, but Joe was one of us. We miss you, Joe. We do. People, there's no hard feelings for Joe. We got love for Joe. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've I've done the one-on-one stuff with people before, but we've never had somebody on the unofficial 40. Exactly. I, I, Jake Trotter... Now, I don't even want to go into what I was going to say, but, you know. He is the he Iron Man. First. My garage door's messed up, too. I should have <laughs> should have asked him for a number. Get a, uh, get a number with the fam. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're over an hour and a half, so we're not going to do ratings and reviews. We'll leave that up to you guys. We've got some some good ones in the in, waiting. But if you guys want to go to iTunes, uh, give us a rating. Save it for the big Bedlam podcast. Yeah, week. we can uh, we can do ratings and reviews. So get those ratings and reviews in. We'll read them next week. Uh, uh, we always love five star reviews. If you're going to rip us and you want to do it playfully and funny, please give us five stars. Don't give us like hateful one star. Give us one star and you'll be a bitch. <laughs> we'll let Eddie, Eddie will find you. We'll let Eddie track you down. Using your digital fingerprint, we can do such things. Agreed. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for this podcast. Josh, thanks for your time. Uh, what do you got planned the rest of the day? Uh, tea party with Laney? Uh, no, no. We, we got swim class at, uh, at five o'clock here in the uh, in the Greater Houston area. So we'll get that. You, you know, start like working on uh, our our Olympic strokes. If if are you rooting against the Astros to keep the street parties down? No, and the beeping uh, and know, the honking. If if there is, you saw that that uh-huh. rant, did you? Uh-huh. Um, 
No, if, if there is any team in Houston that I, I really do like, it's the Astros. Because Tiffany and I used to go back when she was in school and we had no money for anything. You could get a great Astros seat for like 20 bucks. And so we would go there fairly regularly as something to do. And so we, you know, we were, we liked them before they were anything. When they were terrible and no one was going, we were going. You were hipster so, Astros fans. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but I, I like, I, I root for the Astros. I, I would say they're kind of one of the teams I like. Um, but I mean, well, you that's made so horrible, you made horrible baseball choices. I do. I, you know, and I, I've tried to get into the Cardinals, and I try, and I try, don't and do I just... that. It's a like, loser organization. It, it, I don't know why you'd do that. It's a family thing, and I really wanted to for my dad, and I just, I find myself, like, watching their games, I'm like, I don't care about this. I just don't care. And I kind of care about the Marlins, but I just have hated their ownership for so long, but now that looks to finally be headed in the right direction. So I, I my, my baseball allegiance is open to interpretation right now. Go NL. Well, the NL is going to win the World I, I Series no matter what. My my dad would disown poor Laney. He would never speak to her again. <laughs> the Astros will never be an American League team to me. Dodgers are really good. That was a uh, that was a show last night. All right, uh, so that'll do it for the podcast. Once again, uh, to Josh, to Eddie, thanks to Jake Trotter for uh, becoming our first guest on the podcast. He did a great job, as he always does. Uh, that's why they pay him to be on the Sports Animal. Uh, I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.